Welcome to the Hotel Analyst podcast. This one really is, we promise, the last one of 2022. Uh, my name is Chris Brown, the editor at Hotel Analyst. I'm joined by Andrew Sankster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst. And we're here to chat about uh, three important topics that we've w- worked out uh, we want to be speaking about um, covering the hotel and investment space. We'll be on these for the next 20 minutes or so. And we're starting off by looking at the whole business of uh, how green is your hotel and how green is your portfolio of properties. It would appear that uh, all of a sudden, um, those active in investing and operating in hotels are suddenly getting much more interested in um, how much they cost to run and not just because of the uh, uh, recent spike in energy prices, though that no doubt helps focus the mind. But there are also other big uh, issues coming down the track, which means it will be increasingly important that you're able to say whether your hotel is or is not uh, energy efficient to a certain degree and uh, the amount of carbon that uh, you have in, that encapsulates. So um, a study recently by Cushman and Wakefield just realised that um, uh, investors are finally waking up to this. Uh, more and more of them are looking at uh, the, the ESG credentials of their assets they're looking to buy. Although strangely, those that own assets have yet to really get their head around uh, putting the numbers on some of their existing uh, buildings. Um, but uh, they now reckon, Cushman and Wakefield, that there's uh, effectively an ESG premium for um, uh, different hotel assets, which are seen to be uh, more energy efficient and greener than their perhaps less well endowed uh, um, and more expensive to run partners. So it finally waking up, I think. Yes, I mean, it's a gradual process. Now, I I have to say, um, alongside this sort of, as it were, awakening, um, there is pushback, as you would expect. And I think this is a sign of that, that these issues are getting traction, that there is pushback. And, you know, whisper it quietly, but I'm talking to uh, more and more uh, investors and people involved on, in the investments advisory side of the industry and some are openly now saying although they were, would never go on the record um, you know they're skeptical about it and they are getting fed up with all of the uh, noise and as they see it nonsense around the ESG area um, now I don't agree with that, um, but I do understand why people are getting fed up with it. Um, The primary thing I would say is that ESG is not, and never will be, I would argue, um, a value creation activity. Um, It's a bit like tax. Um, In fact, it's very like tax. It's about regulation and compliance. And just as with tax, there are things if you get taxed right you can get advantages over your competitors and so it is true with ESG as well if you get ESG right you can get advantages over competitors and the thing that makes ESG sort of fill the headlines as often as it does is because it is very dynamic at the moment and we're in a very big process of change as you've just referenced Chris um, in terms of people waking up to it the idea that you know it's becoming a thing and being this shiny new new thing does garner the headlines Um, but it should not be put more than it is in the sense you know there is this you know at the extremes you do get this sort of delusional viewpoint that somehow you're going to um, be able to forge a dynamic 
business simply on the back of your ESG credentials. No, you're not. You've, um, but you know, if you get your ESG credentials wrong, your business will will have struggle. Um, I think that's the main point. And there are areas where if you get ESG right, as you've pointed out, you can get advantages. But I would suggest that that is, you know, that is a nice to have, but arguably need to have. But it's it's not going to be the biggest bit of advantage you're ever going to create. So in terms of if something is 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 a very good investment proposition, it'll need more than simply great ESG characteristics. Is what I am saying. Um, so that said um, where are we heading with this well I think the industry needs to get very concerned about it and I think it needs to get very concerned because at the extremes of this movement you have got people who um, how would you describe them sort of eco monks I guess <laughs> who, who think think the way forward is just to cut back um, so uh, in particular our sector now I, I, I think on, on a real estate so a lot of this stuff that you've just referenced Cushman and Wakefield and there are you know lots of consultants out there who are you know and I'm, I'm not casting aspersions on C&W here but I mean it's just in general the consultants are, and lawyers are rubbing their hands together in anticipation of, of fees coming in and not just that actually number of fund managers I think see having ESG funds as being a great way to make a bit of it uh, get a marketing edge as well um, and make some cash so I think you know uh, I think principals are rightly looking at this saying well oh gosh you know these people are um, making hay on uh, at the moment and um, we we need to be a bit careful and it is you know I don't envy the job of being a uh, you know an executive at a corporate um, trying to figure out what's worthwhile and what what what's superfluous here because um, there is a lot that is superfluous actually and it's a it's a tricky thing to to, to work out but it is a th real thing and it is a big challenge and people are going to have to deal with it um, and I think for the travel if we look at our wider sector beyond just hospitality but travel and tourism which is allied into hospitality there's a huge threat there in particular as we've referenced before aviation so whether you go to the flight shaming thing in Sweden started back in 2018 fleek scam um, um, this is getting traction so we've we've seen in France domestic flights of two and a half hours or less they've now been abolished um, part of the country's 2021 climate law that just got approval uh, this month um, from the European Commission is actually the impacts remarkably limited it's just three existing flights um, have been banned between Paris Orly and Nantes and Lyon um, and uh, Leon and Bordeaux um, so they've gone um, and they've been banned because there is an acceptable rail alternative other short flights are staying within France because there are no rail alternatives or because they are taking more than two and a half hours um, Christmas quiz time um, <laughs> right. Chris um, the world's longest uh, domestic flight now fans of Top Gear will know the answer to this well they <laughs> they'll think they know the answer to this right but actually actually I'm gonna tell them they're wrong so do you are you a Top Gear person if you, no no I'm not, aware of the, not a big Top uh, Gear fan but uh, I'll have a guess at the uh, the longest internal flight you said 
Yeah. In my head, yeah. my head's telling me somewhere in Russia, but uh, the, the the Top Gear hints means it might be potentially in South America. Ah, well, it was Paris to Reunion um, ah, oh, right. is the one that they highlighted. Okay. But in actual fact, what happened during COVID, and there was a, a restructuring, and it was an airline based in French Polynesia that f- had to fly from there to Paris. And normally it would, it would have a stop in the US, but during COVID it was unable to, so it ended up taking a 16-and-a-bit-hour flight um, wow. to, to Paris as a result of that. So that's the world's longest domestic flights in fact almost the world's longest flight i'd suggest actually um there's also the uh i think it's from boston to honolulu is a pretty long one as well for the u.s so um anyway that, that's your christmas quiz but the the, the issue here is this the how you know, aviation is very much being caught in the crosshairs of the eco activists and i i do think uh, it's going to get tougher and tougher and this is going to have a massive impact uh, for hotels who get caught up in this if flights do get axed and you know taxes are raised quite significantly on flying which I think they inevitably are going to be um, I think you know the industry as a sector needs to make common calls with the travel and tourism piece so hospitality needs to stand shoulder to shoulder with people in travel and tourism and say look you know there's huge benefits here don't single our um our industry out for punishment um and yeah it's a challenging but there are other areas where you ought to be focused on in terms of making your carbon cuts um and i think this is going to be uh you know a, a critical area over the next decade or so um as as we get more as we get closer to those 2050 sort of net zero targets uh, governments um you know my own view is i think we're going to fall short of them unfortunately um and governments will get increasingly itchy uh, fingers pulling the trigger on extra carbon taxes and uh, flying is a is an easy one for them to 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 shoot um unfortunately um so um that brings us on to our next uh, absolutely issue. absolutely yes yes more tax more regulation let's talk about tax and regulation in and around the uh, the uk um hospitality sector um and uh, the those in the hospitality sector were slightly buoyed just before Christmas by the fact that the UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak announced out loud in in the House of Commons that uh, the government is going to be bringing in a tourist accommodation scheme which will um, require short-term rental properties to be uh, on some kind of registration uh, list. Um, So that's uh, encouraging news for those that liked a level playing field. Um, Of course the Scots have already committed to a scheme themselves although it was supposed to be coming in um, by the end of March uh, 2023 but they've actually just put the uh, deadline back by six months because they I don't know they've got some problems with getting it uh, getting it implemented in time Um, but we also got at the same time uh, certain authorities looking to introduce um, uh, local tourist tax as well and uh, you know at a time of high inflation it's a great time to slip in a little extra charge and an additional cost um, so you've got uh, Welsh Government consulting on that uh, and uh, curiously in Manchester 
um, in a move actually backed by the Hotelers Association there they are introducing an overnight uh, tourist tax which will start next year um, and the hoteliers are very positive about it because they see it being used to help promote the city and increase uh, visits visits over the coming years which is probably quite a good thing because they've got quite a strong pipeline there of new hotels uh, joining the market so uh, tax and regulation coming all around yeah I and mean, I think it's a, a good point to make tax like regulation is not necessarily always a bad thing and in fact you both need tax and you need regulation you just need sensible proportionate levels of tax and regulation mm. um, and you know those bits are set in the public sphere in the political sphere um, that that's where through the ballot box in democracies that's where you, you ultimately set these things and, uh, um, and that's how it should be and industry um, has to get on and deal with it, it with the 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 hand they're they're, they're dealt um, in terms of tax and regulation. Obviously, we can though have uh, an important uh, role in sort of pointing out what you know if if certain biases are introduced in how things are dealt um, it, it can distort um, and have you know un very unfavorable distortions and we need to engage with that just as we're talking about the green agenda and the importance of engaging this too in terms of the short-term accommodation issues um, and the regulations around that we need to engage and just as we were talking about um, standing shoulder to shoulder with the the um, wider travel and tourism industry um, and this is going to hurt hoteliers when when I say this but they need to stand shoulder to shoulder with the likes of Airbnb now regulation is always saying oh that will undo Airbnb um, and yeah and long-term listeners of this podcast will know that we are big skeptics of Airbnb we think there's a overvaluation we don't think they're going to be able to deliver what they claim they're going to be able to deliver but nonetheless um, this regulation that's coming can not only undo Airbnb but can undo the hospitality sector in particular the thing that scares me is how um, all the problems of the residential market the long-term residential market are being blamed on short-term lets well no it's just that in a free market if you let things if if if, if you allow things to find the, the level at which they're going to trade short-term lets will necessarily outbid long-term mm. lets um, and become more efficient and economic and in a proper um, free market where you're able to actually introduce new supply this wouldn't be a problem the but the problem is that the existing regulation that's there in terms of restricting planning um, is meant we've not got anywhere near enough residential now um, and we're increasingly seeing this restrictions on planning come and impact the short-term accommodation sector you know try building a hotel in Westminster or building one in Amsterdam or Barcelona mm. you know you're not going to get permission um, and this is this is where we're going and we need to say look actually there are massive benefits to allowing our sector to develop and to grow and you need to listen to those benefits benefits dear government uh, dear regulator um, 
and and respond now we're not saying you know we should be given a free-for-all but there needs to be you can't sort of at the same time have this total ban which seems to be in existence at the moment and we need to have a more sensible uh, accommodation around uh, short-term accommodation um, we are quite a ways from that at the moment and I'm concerned about the direction of travel with this and the impact it's going to have for the development of our sector in the long term as more and more cities um take up you know i mean even seeing this ridiculous um argument being deployed in seaside areas i went for goodness me you know the reason most of these places exist in the seaside is because of travel and tourism it's the reason they've grown up in the first place to then turn around and say oh it's hurt hurting short-term uh, you know residential accommodation <laughs> well really really i mean you know i mean what do they think they're going to revive fishing or something it's just <laughs> it's just bizarre um so i i, I think we need to have uh, uh, you know a much more sensible dialogue here we're, um, around this and the industry needs to wake up to it and just as it needs to engage in ESG issues it needs to engage in, in this particular which is allied to the whole ESG piece of course but it needs to engage with this issue which I think is going to be more and more important. Now we're seeing some interesting resetting of relationships between landlords and tenants as uh, people get their businesses back uh, up and running out of the pandemic and perhaps execute some of the things they had time to think about during the pandemic. Um, a couple of those particular caught our eye uh, recently. One is at the French, uh, big French landlord Curvivio, uh, who are delivering offices in a, in a very interesting new way. And uh, the other one was um, a big deal that um, the landlord LXI REIT has done with Travelodge, where they've extended leases uh, with Travelodge's agreed to, uh, Travelodge's agreed to extend the leases in return for uh, cap and collar, which will help moderate their their uh, rental increases going forward. But the Cavivio uh, situation is very, particularly interesting because here's a very 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 large investor in real estate. They've got a massive office portfolio they've also got a massive hotel portfolio and they're talking out loud about taking learnings from the hotel sector uh, into the way they uh, look after and deliver their offices and are being uh, much more kind of a hospitality led in the service offering for for workspace um, they've they've already kind of tried this out over the last three or four years and now they're kind of uh, shouting out loud about it and uh, offering this sort of very flexible service and you can basically have an office uh, in pretty much any format you want um, in any kind of package of tenure you want uh, they'll manage this that and the other for you even your IT if you just want to move in and just start using offices uh, but I think it's the first time we've heard a major institutional landlords shout out loud about um, uh, blending the flexibility of co-working with the professionalism of a property expert and the service quality of a hotel brand. Yeah, yeah, no, very much. It is the hotelization of real estate is in full flow at the moment. Um, just as an aside, um, I think it's um, interesting that people are still prepared to offer capped rents rent increases mm. in, in in this absolutely environment yeah. it's it's brave i would so, so is that a belief um, of, of yeah. just a belief that they think this is just a one a one-time blip and we're back to permanent low inflation again mm. 
hope for them that well, they're yeah. right. Well, I hope generally they're right, but uh, it's certainly brave. Anyway, um, but um, the main point I was going to make is that I got an early Christmas present. I got very excited, mm-hmm. Chris. Now, um, when I launched uh, the Operational Real Estate Festival mm-hmm. um, and doing all the work on that, trying to work out and what we're talking about here, uh, it's just mentioned the hotelization of uh, of real estate this notion of opco and propco and um how everything now is becoming operational real estate so that was certainly we could point to you know the three big commercial real estate uh, uh, sectors of uh, office of retail and industrial so it could certainly point to areas of office where this was going on um you've just referenced them and you could certainly point to areas within retail i mean retail is in general meltdown and you know most people it was uh, um, turnover linked um, rents and all of this kind of those sort of structures were all in place but industrial was the one I was struggling with and it was sort of well it's industrial and of course industrial has been the big uh, the big area of uh, real estate investment for oh best part of a decade really it's uh, uh, the sheds uh, you know it's been sheds and beds have been the kings of uh, um, commercial um, real estate investment um, for the last decade I would suggest um, so you know it was disappointing that I couldn't find much that linked sheds with the whole uh, um, operational real estate piece I mean there was a bit with self-storage um, you know where you had hospitality like services you know go and grab a coffee while you dump your stuff in your um <laughs> unit um and um also uh you know some specialist very specialist data storage is an example there very specialist use um strong link there between propco and the occupier but you know overwhelmingly it was fixed leases and it was not you know we didn't have this um evident uh, uh sort of operational real estate bit but um uh, late December we did see there was a there's an apparent chink in the mm. armor now appearing with uh, with warehouses and there was announced this is US but uh, the American Eagle uh clothing chain um kind of uh, gap I guess um um they announced a partnership in with its warehouses they're teaming up with JLL and um, to quote the press release they're going to pioneer a flexible rent as a percentage of revenue model which I think is extraordinarily mm. interesting um, from from that warehouse perspective so this thing's called quiet platforms so it'll be very interesting uh, uh, to see how that evolves now I, I would hesitate to describe this as the hotelization of sheds <laughs> I mean, it's uh, that would be a little bit uh, uh, extreme but it is certainly the case that we've now got this linkage between uh, much stronger linkage between opco and propco going on there even within the world of sheds and that was my little christmas present this year okay well now we're getting on to our five star and no star awards so um, these i think are pretty much uh, awards of the year so Andrew you're awarding five stars to um, a final well I think there's there has been this realization of um, you know the limits of lockdown which uh, hurrah you know uh, now it, it, this is as we've discussed previously um, on this podcast and in what we write in uh, hotel analyst um, you know the, the problem is that we, we had this uh, 
polarization in the debate between those who are completely pro the whole lockdown nonsense and those who are completely against it now uh, you know I, i'm not you know i i'd whilst we are in general opposed to the whole lockdown principle you could actually say well at the outset the horrors that were there that we saw you know in march 2020 what was going on in italy there was a need to introduce some restrictions i think i think you could you but the the then that then turned into some sort of religious belief around lockdown and the the authorities pursued it with such a zeal it was kind of terrifying and the damage it wrought on our industry was extraordinary and certainly the you know very much more preferable the Swedish approach which was much more measured uh, much more steady and as net result they still had one of the lowest uh, overall excess death rates across Europe um, so you know let's go for that but that seems to have been um, understood now by authorities generally so the EU has resisted imposing some ridiculous testing regime for uh, the Chinese as they get rid of their nonsensical zero Covid policy um, the UK appears to have uh, uh, resisted that temptation um, it's saying, look, it's apparently it's about a third of us at any one time are running around with COVID. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's clearly out there. Um, so, um, and that they acknowledge that we've just got to live with it. And I think that's right. We live with flu. We live with colds. We live with COVID. Get your jabs if you're of the age to get your jab. Um, and uh, just get on with life. And that seems to have, that's five stars for that. Now, there's been wobbles in Italy, wobbles in the US where they're trying to do a, a sort of testing on arrival nonsense um but uh, i you know i hopefully this is the last hurrah of any sort of that that kind of thing and we're we're going to go into 23 with all of this nonsense finally behind us here here and now no stars are for what's coming down the road in terms of increasing costs yeah so it's no stars is is really this has been the the sea change we've had in 22 uh with debt pricing um and of course this has been a huge dislocation and it's the thing which has really upset the deal apple cart in a big way um caused a significant pause not ended it totally but made it much much more challenging in terms of deal structuring etc um uh, and, and it's certainly it, you know I, I think it's funny to give it no stars because I think it was something that's mm -hmm. necessary I think money had to have a price again um, it was an absurd situation we had were a dozen plus years where it was almost free money available that was not sustainable um, we had to get to a position we wanted to get rid of the zombie companies um, um, and I think it does look like we're going to get a uh, uh, an end to this rate tightening cycle hopefully sooner rather than later in 23 maybe by 23 we'll see it all depends on where inflation goes but certainly no stars to the 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 challenge that has been presented this year by uh, um, interest rate rises I would single that out as the as the biggest no star for um, the real estate or hospitality real estate investor investment world in 2020 and on that challenging note we'll say a happy new year and goodbye for now <laughs>